0: This is Late to the Party, episode nine. Welcome to Late to the Party, Episode 9. This is the Geeks Unleashed monthly book club podcast, in addition to our weekly podcast where we work through what are considered some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. This month's graphic novel is Persepolis by Marjan Satrapi.
1: I'm Mark, and I'm joined by my uh, host in Texas, Jasmine. Hello. We're also joined by our guest host, Dr. Lindsay Meeks. Welcome to Geeks Unleashed.
0: Hello. Thanks for having me. Now, for those of you who don't know, you should know her. She's fantastic, but of course I'm biased. Um, Dr. Meeks is a tenured professor at the University of Oklahoma, where she is a faculty member of the Department of Communication. Her area of expertise and instruction focus on political communication, gender, social media, and news media in general. Much of Dr. Meeks' published work is centered around gender bias in media coverage around elections, both local and federal. Her most recent work is Expected Sacrifice, Women's Socialization Experiences in the Male-Dominated Total totalistic organizations. And it's one of the biggest reasons we asked her to join us for this episode of the book club. Also, um, I have known Lindsay for quite a long time. She is one of my favorite people on the planet. So I'm super excited to show off someone like her. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you for that lovely introduction. (laughs) And yes, I'm also very excited to be here with my longtime friend and also with Mark as well. We've
1: so, obviously only ju- just met
0: virtually,
1: <laughs> about, about ten minutes before
0: recording. So, um, we're just jumping right into it. We're all we're all friends here. Um, okay, so the we we read the complete Persepolis, which in actuality is four volumes of the published works. So the complete Persepolis was written and illustrated by Marjan Satrapi.
1: It was originally published in 2000 and 2004 by Association, which is a French publishing house. The books were translated into English in 2003 and published by Pantheon. Uh, Petropolis is a semi-autobiographical graphic novel and depicts the childhood and early adult life of the author um, as she comes of age during the Islamic revolution uh, in Iran. Um, As of 2018, it sold over 2 million copies. Just a bit of a brief timeline so the author and illustrator, Marjorie, was born in 1969. Uh, the Islamic resolution started literally 10 years after she was born in 1979. Um, and then the war between Iran and Iraq started in 1980. Early on into the war, at the age of 14, she was sent away during the war, um, just to note that the war also ended in 1988, which I actually remember. Um, And then the book comes to an end around 1994, and the author actually wrote this when she was in her 30s towards the end of the late 1990s. I thought it was important to mention that she wrote this book around 30, as if she went sort of back over her life again.
0: Yeah, which I think the closest thing that we've read like this would probably be They Call This Enemy, which was by George Takei, who he was... Under ten years old when he was in the Japanese internment camps in the U.S., and of course he he wrote that book well into his 60s or 70s. Um, but still, being able to tell the story again from the point of view of a child uh, it's 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 an interesting and difficult perspective to keep up. Um, yeah. So this this book was a massive undertaking uh, for the for us to read. It was it was just chock full of so much information. Um, So in our book club series, we do usually spend a lot of time discussing the validity of graphic novels as a medium, um, and using graphic novels as a way to tell nonfiction stories. And Satrapi herself has even said that, uh, images are a way of writing and that graphic novels are not traditional literature, but that does not mean that they are second rate. So, uh, Lindsay kind of wanted to ask you as someone who reads for a living, since you are a professor, uh, how do you feel about using this graphic novel medium as a way to tell nonfiction stories?
2: Well, I think for for me, in terms of, I mean, you mentioned that I'm I'm a writer, and obviously writing, you know, nonfiction as part of my job. But the other thing too um, that I think of is because I teach media literacy and media effects classes, and so a lot of times thinking about what is, you know, obviously as a professor, I'm going to go into the research and what it tells us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, But there's a lot of research that shows that by having these types of visuals that we we process information a lot quicker um, when it's visually displayed, much faster than we do textual or audio information. Um, We're much better at comprehending stories um, whenever we have some type of visual element with them. And so uh, the, the other thing is that in terms of, you know, that's obviously the graphic portion of it, but then the strength of textual information, the novelization of it, is that one of the biggest benefits is when it comes to the fact that you read at your own pace, and that allows you to process information in the way that you want to at the speed you want to to pause and, and ponder and, and reflect and think about your own life. And I mentioned that in particular because we know that um, at least from kind of other interviews that Marjan really wanted this book as to be a way to help. Um, people better understand what it's like to grow up in Iran, to grow up during the Islamic revolution, and really connect with readers to help humanize, uh, you know, Iranians and Persians. Mm -hmm. And I think when you combine graphic novelization of having that strength of the visuals, the strength of text to help you process information, I think, in general, graphic novels are great at doing that. And I think in particular for this book, because of the artistic styling of it as you said she's the illustrator the humor of it the writing style of it that we'll get into later I think it does a really good job of creating that more kind of personal connection um, mm. with people so that they could actually I think uh, have that that kind of better vision of what it was like and and like we'll talk more about the graphics later but I think the graphics in particular given how simplistic they are actually do a really good job of of helping to communicate a lot of that connection for her.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And there was a point in the book where she's having a conversation with her mother and, um, cause you had just mentioned Lindsay that this book, her, her purpose was to sort of humanize Iranians. Right. So there, there's a point in the book where she's talking to her mother and her mother says, it doesn't matter like it, it, to the effect of, it doesn't matter what the outside world thinks of us because they're always going to see us as terrorists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that is a very, valid point, because as you're reading, you don't, you're not looking at it from, so at least I wasn't anyway, as I was reading, I was not looking at it from the, you know, biased viewpoint that we get in the media of the Middle East states and that sort of thing, reading this book and just taking it for the individual book that I have in my hand at the time, it was very easy to sort of get drawn into these characters and then sort of base my judgments on their actions in the book versus any previous knowledge that i had in my head of what i thought that the country was like at the time
1: i think um, um also say with the art i there, there was a couple of boxes where you had the same character like in different position like say so like in the playground where they were fighting over the um over the veil and how they had it in the same box with just different pictures, um, different sort of positions of her character um i think i think that was really good how they use that effect of art and i think it it's quite difficult to show that um, just as plain text. So mm-hmm. I love the fact that you can have that with, t- like there's obviously text in the box, but um, obviously how they use the art to bring to life this current situation. Um, so that was something I, I really enjoyed as well, like sort of going through this book. She used that a few times, not too many, but yeah. a few times to sort of try and visualize the moments that were going on.
0: Yeah, I thought it was actually especially helpful when we get to sort of the back half of the book where they're in university and she was sort of an art major when she went to university. But because the nation was so repressive in the first place, when it came time for them to like draw figures or do figure drawing classes, the women would show up and they would be fully veiled, like from from head to toe and all you would be able to see were their eyes. And yeah. the students would be like, how are we supposed to draw anything when, when literally it's a blob? Like there is no shape to this woman because she is completely covered from head to toe. Um, and I think that her being an art major and going through that part in the back half of the book was sort of the biggest payoff to me as far as using the art itself as a way to push the story along. Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed reading it. I thought I, I've never taken a look at the Islamic revolution from this perspective, um, so just uh, the the subject itself interested me so it was easy for me to keep reading uh but like i said getting toward the end of the book and they're in art school and like literally can't draw anything or there i know that there's a clip in the in the film where (laughs) one of their art professors introduces the painting um the birth of venus and everything is blacked out except for the seashell and it's like uh i mean (laughs) how do you expect kids to be art majors if they can't see the arts they're supposed to be studying um so yeah i really i really did it, they're, you know, they are simplistic. And I think it's, it's a lot of story to tell. I mean, I can't imagine that this could have ever been like a super complicated, like Jack Kirby book. Uh, but the fact that it's simplistic, it, it doesn't take away from anything there. The characters are still really expressive. Um, and I, I mean, I just think it, it complements the story itself. Well,
2: Yeah, I think I mean, I think actually, its simplicity is its strength to some extent, and at least in terms of this particular way that they're, that she's trying to, uh, you know, tell this kind of memoir fashion of, of storytelling. And I think in part it's because the the images are so pared down; they're just black and white. And so, mm-hmm. I. But I think what's interesting for us is that because so, like you, you know, you reference you know different styles, but we're used to images being much more realistic. We're used to Mm -hmm. the kind of, you know, amazing colorists that work in this, you know, profession. We're used to so many types of media, like pushing the hyper-realistic. And this is, you know, very pared back. It's very, you could even say like rough and and childlike and like in some of its depictions of things, you know, like when she shows tears, she draws little teardrops. It's like Mm -hmm. pulling down their face. (laughs) Um, And I think that plays well with a lot of it in terms of both, it feels, especially the front half of the book where it feels where she's more of a child where it meshes so well with the text. You feel like um, that's how you might've drawn when you were that that kid and like talking about how you like miss your crush because you had had to move to another country or something like that. And yeah. laying on your bed with these big teardrops, you know, <laughs> falling down your face or something. Um, and then other parts, I think it's really serious and it does a good job of depicting I think if we saw some, you know, sometimes she depicts torture and if you actually had like some big gory over the top Mm -hmm. scene of someone being dismembered, um, you know, maybe you'd appreciate it from like, oh, look at that really great colorist job of things. right? But it also would be very different than in here where she really just shows like black and white, like someone just went and chopped the body parts off. And there's something Mm -hmm. to me that was like really like that made me stop and say like, it's not how you would think about it as an adult, but this kind of childlike view of mm-hmm. thinking about what torture looks like in this really simplistic way I found actually made me stop and think more about how hard all of this must've been. Um, and I don't know if I would get that same feel if I saw like some gory over the top, you know, 24 yeah. style depiction of torture. Right,
0: Or like if you're reading something like Preacher. <laughs> yeah. where it's just like nothing yeah. but gore and violence in the whole book. Yeah, I
2: mean, you know, seeing like, you know, all sorts of swords and daggers through people and blood and mm-hmm. you're like, that certainly has its place. But I felt like in this particular, this, it, it needed to have this kind of simplicity and yeah, it actually helped, Um
0: I said something similar about Mouse, which is a book that we read early on in our series where Mouse is covering the survivors from the concentration camps oh, during World War II. Yeah, and- It's but it's drawn with, you know, instead of people, the characters are animals. yeah, yeah, you've got mice and cats and uh rabbits and pigs. Um so I just it I think this is one of those stories where it doesn't work with different art, just like mouse would not have worked with using real people. I mean,
1: yeah, you know, I was gonna say I agree with like so after I finished reading this, I I went for a walk just to I was just like sounds like I'm getting really deep here, but I, was like, yeah. I just went for a walk. I went for a walk kind of trying to get my mind around the, mm-hmm. the subject and the book and everything rather than writing stuff down. I was instantly like, I just wanted to go for a walk and just think about the book and I was comparing it. Like I, I can't help but compare it to things like mouse and the yeah. other books that we've read. But I, one of the common themes I was thinking was mouse, March, um, they Called us enemy, even beef and Detta, all serious books. They all use black and white. They like None of them add color. Um, and the book I felt this was the closest to in terms of the style was probably Mouse. So, cause of how sort of simplistic um, that mm-hmm. art was. And I think the trouble is, I think sometimes if you do, I mean, I, I do love amazing art, you know, like I'm not gonna lie. I love Spider-Man and Batman and all that kind of uh, bright colorful stuff. Mm-hmm. But could that bright and colorful artwork pull you probably too much away from actually the story this is trying to tell. Um, and it's not like the art in here Okay, it is basically simple in in the right places, but it also does a good job of telling you things because if you were to sort of analyse some of this artwork, there's Mm -hmm. some, some key moments in there where I've noticed this in some of the boxes where a lot of the men, the male figures are kind of centralized in certain parts where they're speaking like some of the sort of the more government officials and so there's obviously a clear choice in the artwork that's being used even though it might be simple she she's expressing her story in a clever way I think through the artwork but not detracting from like you say amazing colors and and visuals but I, I definitely think this artwork completely suits the story that they're trying to tell.
0: But it's also, it it doesn't need to be so graphic because there's a scene where uh, a missile hits her street and it hits the neighbor's house. And she had a friend in that house that died in the house. And she describes, well, actually she can't describe it. it but the, the, the panels are, she sees her best friend or her friend's bracelet. And she says, but there was something still attached to it. So like we didn't, we didn't need her to draw that, to have the visual in our minds of what, yeah. you know, the, just this disembodied hand with a bracelet still on it would look like. But that scene is not any less impactful because we can't physically see it, you know? So I think that, I think she does use the art to great effect. And a lot of the book doesn't, doesn't depict all of the torture and the violence. A lot of it is just their day to day. Uh, so the art is very—I mean—it's perfectly suited for their day-to-day stuff. And again, you don't lose anything when they do get to the graphic pieces.
2: Yeah. I think she knows when the words do the best job of telling the story. Yeah. When the visuals do the best job, and when they need to work in tandem. And that the scene, in particular, that you're talking about those panels, um, and that page just ends on a black box. And yes. Like, you know, and it's just—you know—I think that one did such a great job. Where, like, yeah, the text does all the work for you. Mm-hmm. And the visuals would have. I think taken away from that. Right. Cause there's something you visualize it yourself instead. Yeah. It's like four bracelet and you mm-hmm. think, Ooh, that we know what that something was. And that's almost has more impact and more gravity than if you had actually like drawn it out and showed yeah.
0: it to me. Just like in horror movies, if you don't see the monster, it's always scarier because your imagination takes it way, way further than any director or special effects artist could.
1: I mean, I think sometimes um, you can go too far with showing too much. Like, yeah. um, and and I think that's the thing. Though sometimes the modern way of storytelling is to show you things you don't need to see. Right? Mm. You know, um, I mean, there's there's obviously a place for gore and all that horrible stuff in films I saw Um, but like this doesn't always need to be shown and I think this book does a good job actually of actually there's a lot there's a scene um, in this book where they talk about someone who's captured and is cut up into different body parts and how they kind of just showed the body in different segments it's so basically illustrated I don't think I would ever have needed to have seen that in detail so Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes keeping it basic is enough so yeah um I think overall I was happy with the art style uh it took a moment to get into for me um but I actually did really enjoy it um let's move on to our next thing um so something that kind of dwelled on me as I came to an end how 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 many themes there are so I kind of just wanted to put this out to both of you like how well do you think the author handles the many themes that are in this book so i kind of there are many in here so like rape value murder religion war family social classes growing up gender torture education sexuality revolution tradition repression it's a book that handles them all across the whole complete the complete book so mm-hmm. obviously at the beginning you see a lot of her as a child, and then you follow her through to the end of the book where you see her growing up. I think it was actually well, well worthwhile reading the complete story, um, although it was hard yeah. to read. But um, what, what did you what did you both think about how the handling of that?
0: Lindsay, uh,
2: I think some of the themes I think she did better at than others. So the theme of of family and and growing up, and you know, trying to figure out oneself. Um, especially because as we know in the book that she, you know, at some point she leaves for Europe and then she comes back and I think, and how her connection to her, family ebbs and flows over time because of that. And also the extended family. I think she does a really good job of, of talking about that and, and how there can be really hard moments and how there can be, you know, parents not saying things because they want to protect their children and, mm-hmm. and all those types of things. And when she needs comfort, she goes to her grandmother. So I felt like the the family aspect of things she did a really good job on. Um, social classes is something where she certainly makes her social class very known. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. and the, the, but she never the thing that kind of stuck with me is that she never really about her own privilege um yeah and so i know jasmine you had some thoughts on this as well i don't feel like she ever really grappled with the fact that like her social class gave her so much privilege she recognizes that she had that privilege but she doesn't recognize what it meant for all the other people who don't have that privilege yeah. and so yeah. that was a theme where it's like I, I i have a good idea of what it means to be kind of wealthier now in iran during this time but I don't have that kind of nice reflective sense of like, okay, but what about everybody else and, and how they right. didn't have the same advantages.
0: So I think that was probably class, my sticking point too.
1: I was gonna say on the social class thing, cause I I kept having this sort of, I guess, conversation myself about if it was so hor- like horrendous to live there in terms of everything that we were shown through her storytelling, um, they make a comment about why don 't we leave and go to America and The father says well what i 'll be a taxi driver and your mum be um a maid um and i and obviously and that that kind of made me think well what 's more important like you know they and not, so i 've got um a friend years ago who used to live in um afghanistan um during, during the war like there 's been many wars obviously but they was but they were talking to me about how one night. Literally, they could just hear explosion after explosion. Literally, at the end of their road, um, and as a family, they made a decision to eventually leave. And they were they they did have wealth living over there. And when they left Afghanistan, they just became like normal people over sort of in England. Um, you know, sort of nine to five jobs, which I think was very alien to them. Um, but they made a, a personal choice to leave their wealth behind um, for the betterment of their family um so that was something that when i was reading this book about like i said the social class thing jumped out at me just hearing about what will become a taxi driver it's like yeah but what's more important you know the safety of your family or your, mm-hmm. or, or, your or your wealth and obviously they they made a conscious decision there so um but you yeah, no, that wasn't like for me yeah they didn't really show the different social classes they just kind of highlighted their own and their own their own social class and i guess highlighted what was more important to them as a family so,
0: yeah, I think it, I had to get to the point in my head where while I was reading, I was separating the the progress of the revolution from the way that they lived through the revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, because it gets to the, like at the beginning they have a maid and the once the, the her father finds out that the maid has a crush on the boy next door, he goes next door and he's like, yo, she's a maid. You still want to hook up with this girl or what? Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is so rude. Like this girl was probably what, 17? Like, I mean, come on, don't. Anyway, so there was so many points of privilege while reading it. And the one that irked me above all the other ones is in the back half of the book when she's waiting to meet her boyfriend and she's wearing lipstick and lipstick is not allowed. And then she sees the the guardians and she's like, oh no, they're gonna arrest me. And so she literally tells the guardians that some guy some innocent dude just sitting on the stairs hey that guy said something really awful and perverted to me and they arrest this man and then she thinks that's so funny and so she goes home and she tells her grandmother and her grandmother is so upset and so offended and i'm just like i don't even what is going on in your head that you thought that this would be a funny thing like that guy could probably be dead and and like so it was A lot of little things like that throughout the book that really kind of. So while I was reading it, it's like God, you know, the the horrible things that the that the revolution is doing and the insidious repression that is slowly coming back into play. Like this part is awful, but at the same time, it's like, oh, sometimes this family really annoys the crap out of me because, like, you guys are still having parties, like you're still you're still doing illegal things, you're still paying off people at traffic stops. Like there's a lot of stuff that you're doing that 70% of the people in your country have no opportunity to do now on the, on the other hand, to play devil's advocate, it's, I think it's also sort of rebellious in and of itself that you have decided that this is what you're still going to do. Like, yeah, the government said that we can't do this, but you know what, we're going to do it anyway. Like, we're still going to listen to music. We're still going to drink alcohol. We're still going to spend time with our friends. We're still going to not wear veils in front of men. Like, so it's, it's, I don't know. It it was, I I felt very schizophrenic kind of reading this book because like, I wanted to like shake them sometimes be like, wake up. Like, what are, what are you really doing? But then on the other hand, I was like, yeah, drink that alcohol and you have that party (laughs) and you enjoy yourself and you live your life because honestly, like the best way to, I don't know, like live your life is to be happy right? Because that's that's what they want to take away from you. They, they want to take away your happiness and just make you a... a cause they, did in the say that, they
1: did say that about the parties kind of break up everything mm-hmm. else that goes in between, like all the war and everything. So that without the parties, what what did they really have? Like, yeah.
0: But again, it also shows their privilege because even when before she got... or when she came back, when after she had come back from Austria, her and her friends kept getting arrested and their parents kept paying to get paying them off, out. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like... Yeah, but the fine was 20,000 humans, which, which she had equated to like a month's worth of rent, like the equivalent of a month's rent. Like if only people that had the money could do that kind of stuff and, and get out of jail basically versus poor kids that are trying to do their best to live their lives. They get one, one trip up one bad guardian on the street and like they could be in prison for the rest of their lives or worse.
2: I think for, for me, what was so hard about the kind of push and pull of the rebellion in the book was. So at times they they use their privilege as to do these kind of ways of rebelling, like, oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and wear this lipstick or I'm, we're just going to pay that fine. We're going to have these parties. And if something happens, it's OK. And so you could say that they do actually use their privilege in some ways to have these small everyday acts of rebellion. And those can accumulate. People see those. Those can actually kind of chip away at oppression. Right. But they, they don't use their privilege for any kind of like big acts of rebellion. And I think that's, you know, they start off the book talking a lot about the parents going to demonstrations, right? They talk about her later going. And I think there's, as you know, as a reader, sometimes you're like, I understand that there is meaningful progress in these everyday acts of rebellion and using your privilege Mm -hmm. for that. I think there's also that sense of you that wants there to be more like somehow. Yeah. And I don't know what that more is, because I don't know enough about the Islamic revolution to really kind of understand the complexities of it, you know, to the sense of really knowing, but it felt like they didn't necessarily use that privilege in a way that had some type of kind of outward impact uh, on what was
0: happening. Yeah. Outside of their own social circle. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. They did talk a lot about protests and things like that, but I guess the biggest thing that she's done is this book really because i mean it's banned the, the book and the film is banned in iran um and so in a way that's probably her biggest protest and stance on this is is more i guess what happened after the events of in the book
0: so. mm-hmm. yeah and i think like the the progress is kind of what probably the the most striking like through theme for me so we get we get the revolution but it it's again it's Almost insidious. Like there's unrest, there's protests, there's demonstrations, and you know, then it's like this government gets deposed, and now we've got a new government coming back into place. Then it's 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 basically a he said she said. Um, and Lindsay, I know you do a lot of stuff, kind of covering coverage, so to speak, uh, like during elections, during how how one party is you know reviewed versus how another party is reviewed. And I, like the whole time I was reading this book, I just, I I knew that I wanted to pick your brain to kind of see the way that it plays out here. Like there was a fire at a movie theater, the Rex Theater, mm-hmm. which uh, 420 people, I believe, or 440 people were murdered in that theater because whoever set the fire barred the doors so that the people inside the movie theater couldn't get out. Um, it the, the thread is like, it was the new government that had done that while the new government was like, no, 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 no. It was the Shah and the old government that did that, like blame them. It's their fault. And I mean, I know it's it's hard to grasp from what we read in the book, but I, I can't imagine what it would have been like in a time where technology was not as prevalent. Mm-hmm. So how how, like, but it just shows how easy it is to spread disinformation when people and- don't have a way to double check for themselves and i thought that it was always really interesting that her father no matter what they said on the news in iran her father always was like what does the bbc say yeah
2: i mean it, yeah, I, like, I, know yeah. I know it's that bbc thing uh, i know
1: it's that bbc thing i imagine, imagine that's that. probably
0: the only thing they could get before they got the satellites later in the book
2: Yeah, and I mean, and this is, you know, growing up, like, like we said, you know, the book is mostly happening in the 70s. So you're not having, you know, you don't have the internet, you don't have the plethora of options. Uh, Of course, we know that there's countries today that also still don't have outside access to the internet, um, because of control from governments, but this idea of, you know, what we oftentimes call kind of guard dog press, where it's like the press's job is just to help guard and protect and lift up whoever has the most power at that time. Um, And it often comes off as just pure propaganda, you know, to manipulate. Um, This is classic in terms of you can go back to nazi germany and the the government would hand out free radios um as a form of entertainment because the country was into you know coming off of a depression people didn't have money so it's like oh i get free entertainment well then they also the course like pipe through that free entertainment all their propaganda mm-hmm. um And that's, you know, the fact that even her dad could go to the BBC to could have that out, you know, that access. Um, And you see this running throughout the book where like education is power, information is power. Mm -hmm. And that's actually why I think it's so interesting. At the very end, you mentioned her getting access to satellite. And all she does is lay on the couch and watch TV all day. And her dad's like, what are you doing? This is not the daughter I know. And this is not remember, education, information is power, and you're like abusing it. And that's, I mean, that's true so much of any media, right. That it can really liberate you like the BBC having access to non-Iranian or Persian, Mm -hmm. you know, coverage can help you understand things, but you also can lull yourself into believing that or lull yourself into just watching, you know, whatever fictional TV shows that she was watching when she finally got satellite TV. And um, it's, so powerful in terms of the information we have access to and our willingness to even be open to it as well. Yeah. I, think, I think her dad is always that kind of carries that through all the way while her, her mom and her grandmother are both very, you know, liberal and open-minded. Her dad's the one that's always kind of pushing that, mm-hmm. push yourself, think about the information, think, you know, beyond what you're just being exposed to and question it.
0: Yeah, I think that might have been the first time he'd actually gotten upset with her, and that we had seen in the book when he was like, I left for work 12 hours ago, and I get home 12 hours later, and you are literally in the exact same spot that I left you in. Like, you have done nothing all day.
1: Um, I don't know. In terms of the um, communication and just obviously like the propaganda thing, we've seen it so many times used in, I guess, Mm -hmm. from World War II all the way to now. And we were talking about even. like the fact I, I said it a minute ago about this book being banned in Iran mm-hmm. but even in parts of America um, we talked about this previously um, they called us enemy certain schools ban that book um, and keep so it's it even happens in in the Western world um, mm-hmm. uh, you know constantly we're trying to I guess bend the history bend the well, I guess bend the truth to fit the narrative whatever government is trying to spin so even in in the Western world and you know in a, in a trump and biden government that you've had in the last few years you know still trying to hide parts of the racist backgrounds uh, that america have had so all governments have, have got that they, they try and spin to make themselves look good i guess yeah. so um, but that just
0: goes to show how far we have not come like the, when the exact same tactics that they were using all those years ago are still effective and being used today
1: i was gonna say i did say um before we start recording I don't think England is really like that like I don't think we other than Harry Potter have been banned from certain schools a while ago I don't think we really do stuff like that I, I guess I would say it's probably one of the things that I do feel quite privileged that I don't think we really ban things over here I think we're probably probably a bit too more too open maybe in some regard and I've heard that even mentioned from like celebrities that have come from america over here saying that we're we're much more open um i remember years ago christina aguilera made that dirty, dirty video and how it, it like over there you guys like really got offended but over here we were like no that's fine like, so, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean,
2: it's definitely very different media laws and media expectations and so um like yes we have first amendment protections in the u.s but there's been tons of times that we have created laws, sedition acts, and, you know, espionage act that curtails um, what can be published and what can be said. And then, like you said, in terms of banning books or challenging books, you know, the American Library Association tracks all that and hundreds of books are challenged a year. Um, there's not a lot that actually leads to being banned, but books like this one and, and other things that like, um, or kite runner that could be also kind of in a little bit in that same wheelhouse has also been banned in various places. And a lot of the students that I've talked to when I've been teaching have said, but that helped me so much better understand these people who are just shown as terrorists. Right. And so it's, it's books are supposed to be that kind of introspection into another life and therefore have all this value, but, and they've, they've prompted social change in so many cases when we think about things like. Um, uh, everything from kind of abolitionist press to Uncle Tom's Cabin to um, uh, these types of things. And we know that there's power in that. And that's why, mm-hmm. I mean, in the US, um, unfortunately, they still wield that power. Mostly it's coming from parents complaining to schools and schools titulating yes. to those parents. So that's
0: a whole other discussion. Um, <laughs> but I'm yeah, I just... think that that's interesting too, because like it, 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 a lot of times we have to go out and find the knowledge for ourselves, for, for the things that we don't understand or the things that we don't know. Because if you leave it to your governments or your news agencies or whoever it is that is feeding you the information, um, then then it's just like her mom said in the book, Like you, of course you're gonna assume that, you know. oh, well, that's all they talk about in the news. Like they, they always call them terrorists. So obviously they're all terrorists. Like they, they don't do normal things over there. So reading stuff like this, just goes to show you that it's humanism or humans and, and it's, it's a universal experience. It is not an exclusive thing. Like it is not like we get to be humans and then those other people, like that's not for them. They can't be human.
2: Yeah. And I think that's what this book does such a good job of because it has so many little moments that you, there's little moments you can identify with from literally this idea when she's little and she's like, Oh, my crush moved away. And Oh, I was really sad and I liked him. And then that's it. And then there's big themes that of course you can relate to. Um, and I think it's that mix of showing the everyday life and ways that, so that, you know, that, Hey, you might be living during this, you know, uh, oppression and bombs going off, but that doesn't mean that you stop living. It doesn't mean that you don't yes. stop having all these small everyday lives. That doesn't mean you don't, Still have all these types of things. And I think that that's what's so compelling to me is showing that, like, life as we know it does still go on, but there's this surreal quality because it's like, yes, there's also the chance of my, you know, neighbor's house being bombed, but also I'm still a 14 year old girl and I'm still thinking about things that other 14 year old girls think of. You can't think yes. of the oppression and the war literally 24 7. Yeah. Like her yeah. going
0: down the street getting black market, like, goods, like cassette tapes and Michael Jackson buttons and denim jackets yeah
2: and you need you yeah. yeah I mean all of that is like again these she's using her privilege to have these small acts of rebellion which is great but it also humanizes her it, it humanizes a moment where you're like no I didn't ever have a Michael Jackson button right but like right. I still like <laughs> identify with the idea like oh you liked him enough that you want to have this moment you know and even a little brief aside where she's like at that time he was so black and it's yes like, these, these moments <laughs> where you're like really do help connect and just yeah. um I appreciate those and I think that's it that's part of why I think this graphic novel does such a good job of mixing um, the heavy with the light to really help you get a better sense of that world.
0: And I loved how strong they were at the beginning, like how she was so involved with her family, how they didn't push her out of the room when they talked about serious things. Like she was always right there. They actually let her speak and have a voice with, within these sort of heavy, serious conversations. They didn't hide anything from her. Like it was never, Oh yeah. Your uncle, he's on vacation. No, no. He's in prison being tortured. Like this is, that's just what's happening. It was so I really appreciated that because that's something that you don't really see too often ever. Like a lot of times people handle children with, with quote unquote kid gloves. Right. So you try to shield them from these horrible things that are happening, but in this book they don't. And, and I think it's just, what I don't understand is like, is that their privilege that they are so comfortable that they don't feel the need to hide these terrible things from their child. Or is that just despite their privilege, they, they wanted to make sure that their child was up to speed and, and knew the truth and could handle things on her own.
1: I love like that scene actually with her uncle, like the whole thing where mm-hmm. he talks about his life to her, about how he went to Russia and went into the detail of his backstory that's something actually i found throughout the book was actually we sometimes get these little segues into like other people's backgrounds and um that was probably a part of the reason why i actually struggled with the book because there were so many characters that would come in and out of the book and it was a little bit hard to sometimes keep a track of everything that was going on but one of the uncle, that story with the uncle and his whole backstory i thought was really interesting and the fact that you just said even as a child you know this is before she even went to Austria. Um, so she obviously could remember this detail, but it was before, you know, was she around 10, I think, when this story, this story got told to her. Um, but they weren't hiding things from her. Parents were, they did seem to be very modern um, and, have, and they allowed the uncle to tell his backstory. Um, but then I really liked how, he, when he obviously I didn't like that he went back to prison. But when he was in prison, um how the one person he wanted to see was her, and it was quite a sweet moment. I thought like and um and it, I, I, it's just obviously difficult to imagine myself. You know if I was in prison and I knew I was about to be executed, you know, you get one person you can come and see. Like that's a really hard decision to make. Who are you gonna? Obviously he had no children of his own, so you know he said you know if I was to have a daughter, it would be someone like you. And I I thought that was a really sweet moment that obviously stayed with her enough to make sure she included in that book. And she's probably never forgotten that even in, was it now? She must be over 50 now. So I would imagine that's probably still with her now.
2: Uh, I was going to say, one of the things you you touched on, so this idea that there's there's so many characters in the book and they kind of, and I mean, people. Yeah, they are characters. people. Yeah, people and characters. Yeah, um, there's so many people that come to and out of the book and it's hard to keep track of them. But that's also something that I think really reinforced the theme that I saw this, there's a lot of being, a lot of people who just get left behind or being left, or and it's because they they come in, they go off to prison, they die, they they leave um, to find you know a safer place, or they get um, you know they have to go called up for military service, and there's just this kind of constant people being left, people going away, and it wasn't because she ever treated the people as if they were disposable, like oh I had this roommate and then they're gone. It was, I think that is, was like a quiet way of just talking about how hard it is to live in a country that is going to be at war for so much time. How also being, uh, you know, a Persian who's in Europe also has like sometimes disconnect with, because of different cultural differences and not feeling like she was ever, you know, um, Iranian enough to be in Iran, but never Western enough to be in Western, you know, cultures. And I think that that kind of that sense that people are always leaving, that there's this transitory quality whenever you can't find your identity or because literally people are being killed or put in prison or you're being sent off for your own safety. That is that's something that was hard for that was something that I found really hard about her life that I couldn't personally identify with because there's, you know, I I don't have to deal with that. Right. Like I don't have family members who are being killed or tortured or going into prison. My parents didn't have to send me away for my physical safety.
0: Yeah. And
2: that's, I think that was the element that I I knew that obviously about these people, but, but having it actually be displayed and having it be such a kind of quiet theme throughout that Mm -hmm. she doesn't call out for me was, I think really striking.
0: I think you notice that when she gets to that friend group that she makes and she's like, literally the only reason that they keep me around is because I have seen war. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, you, it's so hard to kind of relate to people that are not quite on, on the same plane, so to speak, you know, Um, I, for, for that whole sequence when she finally leaves Austria after after she feels like she's so dejected, she feels like such a failure and she has to go back to Iran. Um, I actually kind of related to that part, not obviously, not as like a war refugee or anything like that, but just having left home, going someplace and saying to yourself like, oh, I'm going to make it. Whatever the make it is, like I'm going to make it and then to not make it and then have to go home and and live with that. um, That was something that definitely resonated with me. Because it is very hard, like when you leave a place, it's almost like the people that you leave, they they remember you as the person you were when you left. And obviously when you come back, you're gonna be a little bit different. So adjusting to the people in her life again, but also adjusting to the situations all over again, just coming back to a life that is familiar, but at the same time, completely different than the life that you left. Uh, that was something that I related to. and And so like when she's just like, depressed on the couch and watching TV. Like I can understand why her father is like, this is not you. But at the same time, I can understand why she's like, no, this is totally who I am now. <laughs> like, I, yeah. So I, I, that was probably the one part of, of the book that like hit home for me. Um, I think like with, with my dad, he left his country when he was 12 and never looked back, never went back. Um so I think it's it's a little bit different cuz he said that his goal was always to get to America by any means necessary so it took him a while to get here I think he got here when he was like 18 um but still it's it's sort of that the immigration sort of string that kind of flows throughout the book where it's like we're trying to fight the good fight but it doesn't look like we're going to win this fight so Some of us, some of the people did pick up and leave. They took their families. There was one family that crawled across the border with sheep with like hiding themselves in a herd of sheep. Um, But people, there are people that did choose a better life somewhere else, even if that better life meant starting over. Mm -hmm. Whereas her family instead was kind of like, okay, Margie, look, you go and get the better life, but we're going to stay here. Um, And so it was, it was good to see that theme sort of come full circle at the end of the book when. She after she got married and then she got divorced, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to France. And they were like, Yes, good. You go to France. You don't belong in this country anymore. You have outgrown this country. Don't come back. Like, we love you. We want the best for you, but you don't belong here anymore. Your path forward is not here. Um, and I think that it definitely takes a strong group of people to to realize that like we're set in our ways, we're not leaving. Yes, things are terrible. And, and yes, we do what we can to fight against that, but we're not going to pick up and start over somewhere else, but you have an opportunity to do that. So you should take it.
2: Yeah. I mean, her dad says, if you stay here, you will wither, right. That like really stuck with me. um, This idea that, yeah, if you, if you stay in Iran, you will wither, you must go somewhere else. Um, Mm -hmm. And telling that, you know, to his daughter, who's in his twenties and not knowing, yes, they have privilege and that, that has uh, certainly affords some means in terms of, her family traveled frequently, but you never mm-hmm. know. Again, what the future will hold, and and when those borders might become more difficult to cross. And so, right. And this isn't just go for you know until you're 18 and then come back or something like that. This is go. You're now in your mid 20s, and who knows when we might see you or reconnect and yeah, um, in that way. So one thing I do kind of want to mention is that we talked a lot about her privilege, but it reminded me when we talked about her in Austria that. We do see her living on the streets and not having any money and, and her pride and saying like, I don't want to go home or I'm not going to go until my ticket is actually, you know, her, her ticket is, um, called up. She could have called her family. She could have found, you know, money to go home, but she chose not to. Um, and that was for me, something I I couldn't, I I don't know if that was, if that was all pride, um, you know, kind of pride over in, in that case that kept her from uh, yes home. Yeah. it is yes it is yeah. and so I mean I think that's yeah so it's this idea that the pride and to mm-hmm. the extent that she was willing to like live hungry and cold on the streets fear of being raped um you know um just and then like you said when she does go home she can't even talk about it and she can't fully yeah. express that they can see the physical changes right she's gotten really tall and these things have happened but they can't see everything else and she wasn't willing to tell them that until she had been home for a while to say, I get that my life wasn't as hard as maybe not knowing if you were going to be bombed one day or the next. Yes. It was hard. And I need you to know that because I need you to understand
0: like, you said, why, like I'm why I'm uncomfortable now. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the, the moment like actually, yeah, I think it was actually quite good that you just mentioned that about the homelessness for two months. Um, she didn't initially want to do that. She knocked on the door of three different, people and they all said no Um, and then it just then she used riding on a train for a while to um, kind of stop the homelessness I didn't really get why if she because she said she went through her savings I didn't really get why she didn't sort of get a job in honesty like and why she didn't use some of the savings to maybe get a room somewhere I didn't really understand that rather than why the choice was to be on a train and then become homeless so I didn't I kind of wish I think she explained. just had a
0: mental break. I, I think it was just sort of the weight of her decisions finally kind of all clicked into place and then she snapped. And once yeah. she hit that wall, rational thought just kind of went out the window and she just wallowed. And because it didn't seem she very didn't rational, act, yeah, yeah, no, because she didn't act, then that, that's why she was home. like, she didn't have to be like she had that fight yeah. with her landlady, but she could have gone back and apologized. And I'm sure the yeah. landlady would have let her come back. Um, but, but she, she didn't do any of that. She was hurt with the boyfriend cheating on her. She was hurt with the landlord accusing her of being a thief. Um, and again, I think that a lot of those things do go back to pride. Plus she had said that, you know, it was the first time that she had fallen in love and she didn't even realize it, but she was spending all of her money on the boyfriend and then come to find out like he's cheating on her and now she has no money left. And, um, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow because, that's not something that you want to explain to someone else. Like mm. it's, it's hard enough that I'm in this situation, but like, it's going to be worse if I have to explain the situation to you. And then after I explain it, ask you to help me.
2: And even, I mean, you know, this is such a common thing with immigrant families and the the child feeling like they really have to surpass all expectations because so much went into helping them get to where they are. And even our family was very privileged and it didn't seem like, it was beyond their means for them to send her to Asher to, to, you know, when she gets expelled from one school to go to another school, none of this seemed to be beyond her means, but nonetheless, I think she still carries that weight of, you know, Mm -hmm. she's the only child of these very um, you know, uh, these people who have really made a life for themselves to push themselves. And there's expectations that she would do the same. And so that, I think that, you know, obviously contributed to that mental break where she just walks out of the landlady's, you know,
0: yeah.
2: that that apartment and just leaves and doesn't find other means mm. of, of way of supporting herself in that case. And because she just mentally, I don't think, could even get to that place. Um, and yeah. that pride of feeding into it as well. You well, just there see
1: later a- on in the book that she has a mental break. Is that, sorry, is that what you're going to say? No oh okay yeah let's see later on when she goes to see a psychiatrist who then gives her loads of drugs yeah um that's the prescription to give her um but yeah so i mean it's
2: the prescription remember jazzercise Jazzercise, like saved all yeah so then she became an aerobics
0: instructor yeah yeah
2: (laughs) i did not see that one coming yeah no that was definitely one of those moments where i was like is this a movie where you just like, because yeah. I did not expect Jazzercise and her becoming like an aerobics instructor. To <laughs>
1: that felt sort of really instructor. out of character and yeah. fr- from everything that we'd seen suddenly for her to become, a, yeah, was it aerobics instructor? and Yeah. Like, and
0: that was I just I can so picture
2: the panel where she's doing like this, like, yeah. like move and like the leotard. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, it's, it's all there.
0: It's happening. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that, that was quite- quite a, yeah quite a unique moment i think yeah. in the book to to see see that and um well I, I, did you watch the movie as well lindsay i
2: have not seen the movie so yeah no, I, I
1: watched no. i watched the whole of the movie as well and even when they showed that in the movie i was like it's just so weird like, <laughs> but it's just i mean it's brilliant obviously if that's like what how she sort of took her life forward mm-hmm. but it was just so it was just su- such a curveball to yeah. to suddenly you know we've seen you know, I guess the, re- the repression and, you know, the revolution and and her wanting to live this different life. There was a lot of talk of this different life. And all of a sudden, when it does happen, I was like, wow. It's like, okay. To, you know, I mean, to be honest, good for her though, really. Yeah. I, so I quite liked it though. The, it was quite a unique thing to try and do.
0: Yeah. I think um the the part that got her so stuck and why she didn't, why she couldn't like get herself out of it until she got back to Iran before she left her or like when her mom came to visit her, she was like, I don't care what you do, but be the best at it. Like, I don't, I don't care what it is. I don't care what your career is. I don't care if you ever get famous. I don't care what it is, but whatever it is that you choose to do, be the best at it. And I think her mother meant, well, I don't think that there was any kind of malicious anything behind that, but I think Margie took that to the extreme and harp. And she got stuck on the fact that great, I'm going home and I'm nobody like Mm -hmm. my mom told me to do one thing and I couldn't even do the one thing my mom told me to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that that contributed to her not being able to get herself out of the rut that she had fallen into.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us can relate to this idea that, you know, a, a parent may be wanting to say something, you know, that is meant to be supportive, but not realizing that it also puts this pressure on you. Right. Um, and we all, And if you had a life before, like she did, where she had means and she had privilege and she went to the best schools and you just kind of, I think a lot for her, then kind of assume that everything that follows thereafter means that I'm going to do successful things too. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I graduated college with a, you know a good degree and 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 had like won these awards and everyone's like what are you doing next and I'm like um I have an unpaid internship this summer and I don't know what happens <laughs> next and that's yeah. where I found myself doing a lot of random part-time gig work um and until I finally got like a real full-time job but I certainly felt like ashamed and like, and it hurt my pride to be like, I thought I was supposed to be somebody when I graduated yep. and get a job. And this is all pre-recession. So we still could have this dream, um, back in <laughs> 2004. Um, and so, but I, and there was certainly a lot of, you know, a, a lot of, I, my, my pride was certainly hurt during that time period where it was like, you want me to make photocopies for like your sales takeoff and just hide in the copier room for a month. Great. You're paying me. So I guess I'll do that. It doesn't (laughs) require any type of diploma, but that's fine. I need to pay rent. And Hey, I got
0: my first minimum wage job with a college degree. Even when I was 16 in high school, I was making better than minimum wage. So I know all about that. Like, this is not the track that I had my life on not yeah.
2: at all and and I didn't even go to like another country or like you know have have the same level of kind of you know push that maybe that her parents had given her but yeah so it it is it is a moment where you see her kind of reckoning with with the privilege she has I guess you could say um and realizing that she even with all of that she you can still fail you can still feel mm-hmm. like you're a failure at yeah. least yeah
0: so, why do you think that this book winds up on so many must-read lists? Like, what what about this book is so potent, or so I guess would be the word I'm looking for?
1: Probably the subject matter um, is unique. Like, obviously the the storytelling through graphic novel, um, yeah, you know, rather than just it being text, but there's not many books that I'm aware of in the graphic novel world of this subject. Um, and I think because of, if we, we've highlighted a few earlier, like Mouse and um, March and um, they call it enemy, but they're quite unique. They, 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 I'm sure there's many textbooks that tell similar stories, but there's not many graphic novels that tell that story. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the only book I'm aware of that tells uh, a story Based in iran during this period of time um so that's probably again why it stands out above others in my mind um also probably anything that gets itself banned is going to be talked about um so um i mean there's always talk about banned books isn't there so um that's that's my thoughts on why this stands out what about, what about you lindsay
2: yeah i think I think format has a huge role to play here. If this was just a text written memoir about her life, Mm -hmm. it would not have gotten any of the kind of reception. I I think I would not get the same level of reception as it does as a graphic novel. Um, And I think that's in part because as a graphic novel that means it can now appeal to younger audiences which also then opens it up to be banned or challenged but that also opens it up in terms of who's reading it and who can be affected by it.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: um, and, and I think also what's important to keep in mind here too, in terms of thinking about the graphic novel as memoir is a pretty small niche of the, you know, like of, of things. And I think we as a society are just kind of coming around to this idea that graphic novels can be a channel for nonfiction storytelling and a place where you can have serious topics um, and and realizing that. because where other cultures, you know, in Japan, when it comes to things like manga, like you have manga versions of all sorts of things from mm-hmm. self-help books to how-to books to it's, it spans the kind of plethora. Whereas here, the U S thinks oh, graphic novel. They think that's some Batman. Type of, yeah. It's Batman. It's some type of kids thing, like mm-hmm. not obviously all Americans, right. Um, but like that is the general perception of it. And so I think it really is this format and the content coming together here that, that it is so serious that it, that there's so few really easily accessible books that are going to take you into something like the life of an Iranian girl growing up, the Islamic revolution. Um, that's such a, a small place that most people are going to even find themselves in. And this, is, this does this in a way that is a very kind of ease of entry. Like I can come into this and it's not this giant tome. Mm-hmm. It's something that's very easy for me to, to read and appeal to a lot of audiences.
0: Yeah, I think with with the non nonfiction graphic novels, it I always and it's an inadvertent thing, but like I always compare all of these books to stuff like the Diary of Anne Frank. Mm. How is it that the Diary of Anne Frank, which is about a girl in the Holocaust that's living in a base uh, an attic, how is it that this book has been on required reading lists in the U.S. for <laughs> Since the war, since World War II, like that book has been so ingrained in American society, yet we can't tell the story of a nine-year-old kid at a Japanese internment camp. We can't tell the story of a 13-year-old kid marching across a bridge for civil rights. We can't tell the story of this 14-year-old girl during the Islamic revolution. Like, Why do we get to tell Anne Frank's story, but we don't get to tell any of these other stories about significantly um sort of impactful historical events like what who who gets to yeah. decide that
2: uh, I mean I think a lot of that honestly has to do with like American at their centers and this idea that so we were the good guys in World War II we were the ones that helped you know would have helped Anne Frank in those cases but when it comes to things like internment camps in the U.S. well the U.S. we were the bad guys in that mm-hmm. when it comes to things like talking about um this book in particular. So, the U.S. certainly contributed in its own way to problematic things in the Middle East, and <laughs>
0: yeah. we,
2: we're talking about this right now with obviously what's happening with Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. U.S. certainly contributed to lots of things. Um, I'm not a foreign policy scholar, but I think we can all agree that the U.S. has had a hand to play with things happening in the Middle East, and it's not yes. um, working out well. Um, and so, I think in some ways, I think honestly, it's because we we paint a lot of these characters as terrorists or the bad guy with like the Japanese internment camps and uh, and oftentimes not willing to reconcile the U.S. and Americans role to play in that and Mm -hmm. so it's easy with Anne Frank one it's more distant in terms of our memory two we were the good guys Um, and we never painted someone like Anne Frank or Jewish people as being terrorist
0: that makes a lot of sense put it that way
1: no society wants to paint themselves as the bad guy.
0: Don't they? <laughs> so. I mean, I'll, I'll say it again. And I, I probably end up saying this every time we read a nonfiction but but like, I would not have read this if it had not been a graphic novel mm-hmm. there. Regardless of how interested I might've been in the topic. I it's, I would never have put, picked up a book on the Islamic revolution. So getting to read it from a 10 year old girl's perspective, no matter how priv- privileged she was, um, it was really sort of an eye opening experience and it's not that the experience itself is universal but a lot of the a lot of the things are still similar like the way that these things end up playing out it it's always slow right it's it's slow enough that people aren't sort of oh what this yesterday it was fine and now today it's not fine so i always find that part fascinating it's just like it's a it's sort of like a slow climb into like Five years, you're looking back and you're like, how did I get here? Like, how did we get from five years ago to right now? Um, so I, I definitely appreciate these kinds of things. And I, I appreciate reading these kinds of books, even though they are they are hard. But again, I mean, now I've got a whole new perspective that I didn't have before I read this book. So,
2: yeah, yeah. And I think the experiences are different, but the emotions that undergird them are mm-hmm. what connect you to the book. Right. Like, no, I can't understand what it's like to have these levels of torture, or uncertainty. Like of someone being bombed, but I can relate to the emotions of loss, of grief, of, of pride being hurt. Um, and I think that's so cheesy, right? Like that's the universal dynamic here, <laughs> right? But that's yeah. why you yeah. can still identify and understand, and this can still be a book you can connect with, even if like my life looks vastly different than her own.
1: Yeah. I was gonna say, um, we should probably look to bring this to an end. And yeah. um, thank you for your time. But I was gonna say as we bring it to an end, just any summary from sort of around the virtual room in terms of our what we thought about reading the book just sort of just to close off um Lindsay just a summary from yourself on just whether you it sounds sad to say but sort of please you've read it but obviously it's a difficult subject matter but yeah
2: yeah I think I think it's a difficult subject matter but I would still I'm, I'm glad that I read it. I'm glad that I got this perspective. I'm glad that it was told in a humoristic way to help me process how heavy some things are. If it was just straight heavy, just a straight memoir, I don't, I, I probably, I would be like, oh yeah, I have deep thoughts, but I, I wouldn't have necessarily enjoyed the experience, so to speak. And so I think this is a really good way of helping you understand really complex things, with that emotion running through it and help you better understand what was happening at a time period. And, uh, and ultimately, like I, I put air quotes around enjoyed, right? Cause I don't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. But I, this, like Jasmine said, I think this is a really compelling way of, of helping to give you some type of um, look into someone's life at this time period. And in a way that I wouldn't have picked up and read if it was
0: just a memoir.
1: Thank you, Jasmine.
0: Um, it it gave me a new perspective. So like I said, I I like to kind of, I I like to, I don't wanna say have an ear to the ground, but I, I like to kind of know what the state of the world is. So to be able to go back to a thing that happened before I was old enough to comprehend anything, the first war, quote, which sounds ridiculous to say out loud now that I think about it, but the first war that I remember is Desert Storm. And Desert Storm was, Eighty nine, I think, it was when we when when uh, the Saudis invaded Kuwait. Um, so that like this is, but this is still right on the heels of like when I was coming into being old enough to sort of comprehend these kinds of things. So, but but again, I never, I have never read anything from the perspective of of someone who was actually there. So it it just gives me a whole new a new like insider so to speak, point of view. Um, and I will say that Lindsay touched on the humor. There were some parts of this book that did make me really, really laugh. The the Especially the scene when she's in Austria, she's in the boarding house with the nuns and she is sitting in front of the TV with a a pot of, <laughs> of, of like pasta eating directly from the pot. And then the nun says something so just off color to her. She's like, oh, I knew it. All Iranians, you, you know, none of you have any manners. And then, 14-year-old Margie is like, well, clearly all of you nuns are prostitutes. Like, <laughs> just, just the fact that she was always so mouthy and so out there and she was unapologetic in, in what she said out loud and what she believed and the way that she behaved. Whether I always agreed with that or not, I, I loved getting to read a strong young woman growing up through this kind of oppressive regime um, without her losing her resolve. Mm. So I really, that's, that's pretty much what I enjoyed the most about this experience was like, she it, it's almost like she didn't lose anything. Right. So she's this 10 year old, like revolutionary child. And we get to the end of the book and yeah, she's had some ups and downs, but at 24, she finally is like free enough to start living her own life. So, I mean, that's a win-win to me.
1: I think for me, there's a lot to be said from how and where you read a book. <laughs> um, because the last seven days I've been away with my kids and my wife, and I tried to read this book, and it was just I didn't expect to, I thought I'd be able to just read it in the evenings or when I got time, downtime. Um, but obviously, when you're on holiday, um, or vacation. Um, (laughs) It's not exactly uh, beach
0: reading. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's not. And I initially was, I don't like this book um, because it was a book that needed my full attention. Mm. So I came back three days ago and then I was like, okay, I'm going three days to read this Mm. book my mindset was not on holiday anymore and it was a case of I could go and actually have longer time you know I wasn't having to go to the swimming pool or the beach or whatever Um, so I think it was definitely a lot to be said for actually putting time into something like this it wasn't um, an easy read and it's a book well worth reading but what I'm trying to say is it's well worth giving it your full time and attention which I mm-hmm. didn't anticipate that it would be as difficult to read as it has been um, and I think giving it the time and attention that this book and the um, subject matter deserves, to be honest, you know, like I talked about the amount of themes that this covers and um, the story that it covers in terms of her life and, and you know, what went on in around. And one of the reasons, again, I want to highlight this is I was born in 81. And I remember my dad coming home in 88 and telling, I was only seven and mentioning that this war had finished between Iran and Iraq. I don't remember much more than that. Um, But, you know, when I look at my life, my life living in England and going to school and playing with He-Man toys and the privilege, I guess, that I had, you know, compared to yes, okay, we've talked about her privilege, but she still lived in a war-torn country. Um, And there's not many people that I've met in my life that have come from those backgrounds. So I appreciate reading this book and, and seeing what that life was like and in a way, realizing how lucky we are really so Mm -hmm. it's a book definitely well worth reading and um and again i probably wouldn't like jasmine have read this unless it was in a graphic novel format so i think adapting something of importance as this to this format opens it up to an audience and i mean jasmine adults but kids as well would probably appreciate this format too so i definitely don't think anyone below 14 should read this but um it's 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 a book well worth younger people looking at so yeah but I'm glad I picked it up I don't know if I'd use the word like you say enjoy but I think I've enjoyed the format of it Mm So
0: yeah
1: um, but anyway um, just as we come to an end uh, Lindsay where can people find you online anywhere if they want to tweet you or anything like that
2: yeah so I'm on Twitter I'm at L underscore Meeks so that's M-E-E-K-S um, and I, am uh, happy to, um, have some new followers and if they want to talk about the book or talk about any of my super fun research that I do, um, I'd love that.
1: Do you have anything coming up at all? Like that you want to talk about or,
2: um, in terms of research that's coming out or. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anything, research books, anything you want um, to shout about any events you're doing, whether they're online or
0: face-to-face
2: or, um, no, everything has kind of been um, um, weird academic uh, purgatory at the moment in terms of kind of COVID stuff. But um, uh, but yeah, I'm just working on some interesting, right now, uh, honestly, I'm working on projects, everything from Marvel fandom and, and what it means to uh, fan shame to I'm working on a project where we're looking at news coverage of Kamala Harris. So my research wow. really kind of spans... Ple-
0: please things. hit us up when you are done with your Marvel <laughs> research, please. <Yeah. laughs>
1: so, What's we our next book out. club?
0: All right, so our next late to the party book club read is uh, we're going to be taking a look at the aftermath of a fictional plague that wiped out every living male on earth. Yes, we are going to be reading the first two volumes of Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughan from Vertigo.
1: You can follow us everywhere, Geeks and niches on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
0: And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Google Podbean, Apple, Spotify, we are everywhere. So please give us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends.
1: Thank you very much for listening.
0: Bye. 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 Bye.